we had a Bible that was in chronological order and we would read through and we would get to those points and we're just like, wait a second, what? <laughs> right. But then you ask your mom, like, we haven't talked about sex yet, but we're over here like, so wait, what just happened? <laughs> Noah's banging his daughters. What is going on? His son is cursed for all eternity because he walked in and saw him drunk and covered him yes. up. It's like, yes. Dad Mark, built a boat on a whim and then listened to the entire world die screaming outside of it. He deserves a drink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Anyway, so this is all on your flannel graph, right? Buddy. Welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. And we want to start this off with reminding all of you to get your abortions while you still can. There is not much time left, everybody. And, uh, you know, get them while you still can. You know, maybe a couple, say, I don't know, maybe even saving, saving up and you just want to go get it done last minute. But that's last minute's really creeping up. So maybe just go take care of that right now. What do you guys think? I mean, if you wait too long, you might be too late. So, yeah, yeah, you can't you can't wait till the last minute anymore on these things. It's real travesty, dude. This uh, I I was hoping maybe with uh with Biden winning the election and stuff, I was hoping that we might have like this brief reprieve from talking about abortion. Yeah, you'll never get that reprieve, especially in our the world we come from <laughs> that's never going in oh well you know what's gonna be great is even if not I, not great's not a great word but uh if if this does happen we still won't hear the end of it they're gonna be talking then it's just gonna be this like uproarious how do we keep this this way because we, of course it's gonna be the same single yeah, it's going to be the same single issue voters all over again just yeah. for either preserving or changing it back. Yeah, and now it's going to be like we need to keep praying that this doesn't change. For now right now it's we got to pray. We got to pray that 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 this that this works that it's overturned and now it's going to and then if it happens it's going to be like you know we need to pray. And then if it does get overturned it's going to be confirmation that God has heard their prayers and that everything is great and then if it gets overturned again and goes back the other way then it's going to be the enemy's oppression and it's not that god didn't hear their prayer it's just like that constant cycle of like uh i guess confirmation bias but it, it's played out and i I'd, I'd like to not see it get played out not that i have like i don't know i I don't, I don't really have a horse in this race personally so people might not care that the three of us are talking about this issue but <laughs> i i i don't know the whole thing's so weird. Like it's weird how the information came out. Like usually this yeah. whole firestorm pops up because somebody proposes some sort of ridiculous new legislation, which they are doing. Uh, uh, Mississippi. Sure. Ridiculous. We uh, see you. But I don't I don't know. It the whole thing just feels so weird because you know, with the economy and inflation and all this stuff. I mean, I feel like Republicans were really headed towards a good November for the midterms. Yeah, for sure. And they, it was looking pretty good for him too. Like to the point where I don't know 
that they would have purposely proposed any sort of new crazy legislation that was going to like rally the the support of the other side to try to like, you know, I it just did. It felt like they were yeah. coasting with some like little critiques on the economy. And so, I mean, they were getting ready to really thump hard on the Biden is, you know, bankrupting your, yeah. your 401k or whatever. And now all of a sudden, like the entire Democratic base is like mobilized and registering and getting ready to vote. I feel like they probably hate this. And that's why they won't yeah, shut up well, about like leaks and stuff and like what a travesty it is that this came out. And Yeah, the leak is what's fascinating about it. I'm, it's hard to assume anything other than it getting leaked by at this point. Right. My guess is they were hoping to get all this thing to get this rolling. So that way, like. I, I don't really know how the Supreme Court works as far as time goes on these things. I know they see multiple iterations and that like we're looking at a draft from February and now we're in May and it's like, but they weren't going to just ride this out until 2024, right? They were, it seems like it's going to pick up steam faster than that. So they must've been kind of gearing up to not just coast into an election win in 2024, before dealing with this right this yeah no i'm, I'm sure up. not i also don't know how the supreme court works when it comes to that but like i don't think cases take years in the supreme court yeah I think the idea is by the time it actually gets accepted you might be on the docket for a long time but once you get heard it's a more straightforward process yeah it takes yeah. years to get something to them they have to work yeah. through all the like little appellates or whatever you know yeah but it is uh, tough legal to legal words yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like who like who would leak it like i mean it seems like you know democrats had the most to gain uh by this leak but i don't know it could go either. there's so many reasons it could leak like if, if we're not looking at a final draft it might there's like like the, politics is such a fucking game anyway where it's like let's just say this thing and then they'll meet us here and then we end up here and then now we meet in the middle you've conceded on some shit and we're not going to do the thing you hate the most and then we can pander to our audiences and pretend like we worked really hard and didn't come like won't reach across the aisle and then everyone gets a little bit of what they want and nothing gets accomplished. And that's kind of been the cycle for quite some time. I mean, maybe it's like uh, when you want to write like a really angry email and you write it and then you leave it in your drafts and you yeah. come back like a week later and you're like, Oh, all right, let's tone it down a little bit. So no, maybe that's what Justice Alito was just sitting up late at night being like, and because of this law from 800 years ago, women can't get abortions now because you have no rights. And then he comes back later. He's like, Oh man. All right. I'm sober now. Yeah. time to take the edges off <laughs> let's let's write a real opinion he he was he saved that to his draft folder but in, instead he accidentally like sent it to uh to all the the whips and best boys and grips because he's and 70 whatnot. yeah because yeah. he's 70 and then he put in a ticket for his computer doesn't work right it's like when you forward an email and you're like oh you think you're replying to one person and you reply all to and you're just like this person's a fucking idiot right not not to take a le hard left turn into that. We can definitely come back to abortion. Have you guys ever been stuck on a reply all chain at work where like people keep replying to the chain to tell everyone to stop replying to the chain, but everyone's doing it like at the same time? Oh my God. No, not that. Yeah. I've been stuck on like every <laughs> every holiday, like I, or maybe a new store opens or something like that. And there'll be like this, we have like a, yeah, a corporate, like a corporate wide email where They'll just email pictures of like the store opening, like, look at the new store open. Mm, Here's a picture of the replies. team. And that's fine. Like, that's no issues there. Send that out. Picture of the team. Everyone's excited. Dope. 
what's really annoying is that happens on like a Friday in all weekend, every single store <laughs> replies all like, just don't hit reply all. So like you come in, you're like, why do I have like 300 emails? I'm not used to. And then you're like, Oh, now I have to sift through like every single one of the congratulations posts or like the bit emojis that people think are cute. Yeah. My, <laughs> I was standing next to my wife's desk. She was showing me something at her computer and someone emailed like a, two whole departments or something at her work. She said it was like a thousand people to ask some mundane question. Like they used like it just the department email address to be like, Hey, uh, where do I go to get a new like expenses card? I'm not sure what, if I'm doing this right. And then she just had to sit there while it's just ding, 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 just flying past at one point. She just like gave up. You're like, I can't do anything until this is done. Everyone, you don't have to reply. Hey, you don't have to reply. Hey, it's okay if you don't reply. And everyone was saying the exact same thing. Do you guys uh, switch your, I recently switched my email to conversations style mm -hmm. and that saves you a lot of stupid emails and replies. You can just be like, uh, jump in three hours later and see how it concluded. It's really nice. I definitely do that. I also do that with chats. If you use Microsoft teams, sometimes a thread really starts hopping and you're like mute for two hours. I'll come back later. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> tags me. I feel like Casey, um, by his face, he's not relating to this white collar office experience in the same way we're talking about he's it. He's a big man. No. He's a big wig. I, I kind of like jump in like here and there and try to catch up for a second. But I I think I'm I'm kind of notoriously bad about like written communication as a whole. And I think I might be getting worse. It's just like it's <laughs> so, there's so much of it and it's like so hard to keep up with all of it. Between There's like so much work, useless group texts yeah. and yeah, the last my favorite uh, group email one was um, oh maybe like six eight months ago during the like COVID surge and everybody was kind of like reissuing their their work guidelines and stuff like that. Like my company had said uh, sent out an email. It was basically like you know hey uh, you know due to, to you know, state law and stuff like that, like uh, employees that are not vaccinated are going to be required to do something, whatever it was, you know, it was a mask or something like that, or, or you had to show proof of vaccination for something. And uh, like quite a few people replied to the entire company, like 400 <laughs> email addresses being like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like a broken sentence like uh-uh no bad <laughs> dude how okay while we're talking about the vaccination thing that was obviously the height of political conversations and probably what soaked up a lot of newsmax and fox news at the time and now we're past it is anyone talking about that anymore or is everyone just like well, all the people who got it aren't dead and this thing's kind of winding down. So I, I think that's a lot on. of what it is, is yeah, everyone's kind of reached the burnout point where unless you have a new variant that's significantly different, we have much better ways of treating it. A significant chunk of people are vaccinated and most hospitals are not drowning anymore. So they're going to be like, eh, right, write it out. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I feel like at this point, are... like I, I would almost rather a decent chunk of people die than have to think about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
luckily, <laughs> it would have to really hit home. It would have to be somebody notes. important to me die before I'd be like, oh, I guess I'll consider this again for a while. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm guessing where you guys are, no one's. It's like it's oh, it's effectively oh, yeah. over. Yeah, oh yeah. Like there's still a few people wearing masks, but it's kind of just the. Eh, well, it's kind of the same want. here too, which is less would have been less likely to be the case. I, I would have assumed that to be less likely. Uh, Massachusetts is definitely a much more liberal state in a lot of ways, in some ways. Um, but yeah, I think that's just the the general feel across the country is like. Well, well also with like newer medication and with hospitals not being overrun and we have a couple more years of data and whatever, like I've been keeping an eye on the Department of Health webpages for the area. And it looks like even if you're unvaccinated now, we've got it under control enough and the variants aren't that bad that like you're yeah. probably going to be fine. Like there's a very, very low chance you're going to be seriously sick or die. So I think that also helps people to be like, eh, like the worst case scenario is way less bad than it was a year ago. So who cares? Yeah. However, China is uh, certain areas of China are having a really tough time and we have to like, some of where we produce our goods and stuff are like, if we're going to do audits or inspections on our, on our products over there, they're like, yeah, the, they have to organize like these, like moving your product to somewhere so they can be checked because China's like locking shit down hard because they can. Yeah, yeah. They Especially, can, I mean, well, they can do it. I, don't, I haven't seen any news about it in a little bit, but um, over the past like month, uh, some of the videos that came out of Shanghai were crazy. like the lockdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like welding people's doors shut and stuff, or like welding the doors to the buildings. Yeah, I did not see that. What or the welding fuck? welding stuff across? It's not quite as diabolical as that sounds. Like welding stuff to make a barrier across the door to a building. Yeah, I mean it's not not di- it's weird. Like it's such it's so different. I mean I'm not sure what people's feelings are over there about it. I do have a feeling that whatever messaging you're going to get from their government is not necessarily what their people feel about it. But it is. I mean it's fairly draconian in the way. It's just like. That's what you can do. I mean, they're a communist country. They can just. It didn't this. look like they it's were enjoying it. They were but all on their balcony screaming in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy is like they don't even have. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They, they they won't use vaccines from anywhere outside of the country. Like, I mean, outside of. Uh, outside, I mean, that yeah. just sounds patriotic to me. Yeah, right. But they're China like, first. so there's what they have isn't as effective. It's not nearly as good. And they're just like. Yeah, well, well, we just won't main, use main China. Else Number has. one, made in China. So. Sounds like Sam's making a really like strong pro Second Amendment argument here for like those people locked up in those apartments. What are they supposed to do? Well, I don't even know what, what the Second Amendment is. Turns into it's going to turn into like just this huge story arc of Sam becoming <laughs> like a a flag waving, gun toting, like <laughs> anti abortion <laughs> voter. I bought a big truck. And I got the biggest fucking flag I could find on Etsy to hang off the back of it. On and Etsy. that bitch flaps in the wind. Tractor it's supply. Sexy. Tractor yep. supply. Yeah. Etsy. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, like tractor supply. Every time yeah, I see people not. with flags on their trucks, like just waving, especially the bigger the flag, the more ISIS it feels. I don't know if you guys remember watching videos of ISIS driving. Oh, yeah. Around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's only like it's just, just I, it's I a Chevy instead of a Toyota. 
Yeah. Right. I, I, hate to, I hate to stereotype, but there's only one group. There's one genre of people that are putting the big tr- flags in the trucks. Like, it's not like there's a wide diversity of thought when it comes to truck flags. No. What's funny, though, is in uh, my friend's town, there was uh, uh shout out Jesse, who you people have heard on the podcast before. But there was like this. Uh, I, I don't know if it was. I don't know what the car was. I feel like it should be a Prius or something. But they took a line straight out of that book and had like a huge Biden flag and basically and he basically did the exact same type of shit, but all liberal shit. And it's stupid still. Like, I, I don't uh, it doesn't get my stamp of approval, but depending on the person, it's either funny or sad. Like it could if it's just trying to be funny about it, then I that's a, OK. Solid joke. But it's hard to really know when you're just seeing the car go by to know their motives. So I think people tend to lose themselves in the irony of some of that stuff to the point where yeah, they don't really right. separate it very well anymore. It's not really a critique. It's more just, Oh, this is my personality. Now. Yeah. Your identity is the irony. Now you're just <laughs> that enveloped in it. So speaking of that stuff in irony, you know, how like- irony inception, People, people reclaimed the word slut, you know, to be like, now you can cert- you can use it as a compliment or whatever. Uh, what really? if the Democrats, like people use it in favorable terms towards themselves. I'm not saying you should go throwing it at other people. No, yeah. I'm definitely going to start saying it you all the time. You on strangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's some nuance. Sorry. I was just skimming right past that part. I assume people would understand. Uh, when in doubt, still don't say it. All right. No, so anyway, I think I'm just going to go thing. back to a sub slut. Remember that? I was gonna. I was gonna. Anyway, where I was going with this before I <laughs> took an unfortunate anecdote. Um, Go ahead, slut. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of like. We it. were so, trying to figure like, out new nicknames for everybody. The, uh, I don't want that so. to be mine. Um, the Democratic Party platform. They ought to reclaim. Let's go, Brandon. That's where I was going with that. Like thinking about them driving around with the flags on the trucks. And yeah. Like, turn Let's Go Brandon into a positive thing. Like they're yeah, cheering if, on Biden to like hold, keep the Senate. I challenge <laughs> Biden terms- to legally change his name to Brandon. If he does that, <laughs> I'll fucking vote for him. I mean, how That's- many more years is he going to have to put up with that? By the time they mail him the new social security cards, like, will it even matter? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. We're lucky. That's the best way out of this shit pile. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> it like you think about how annoying it is when like irritating people claim something that you like or that's cool Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden like now it's more associated with them than it is with you know like i'm trying to think of an example movies are always the best example because it's like you would see a movie and love it and then like the most annoying people you knew would like pick up that movie and just start quoting it all the time. Napoleon and Dynamite is the prime example of that. It's the prime example. It's the best example think, for yeah, sure. There isn't a better. I mean, I other ones are like great movies that just feel like they like got played out. I, I would put in I I don't know if other people feel similarly, but I would put Inception into that category. I, I, I was gonna say super bad to me. That's, super bad, yeah. I'll give that's you that's one of those. Yeah, but I mean, Napoleon Knight, Dynamite feels is, like that's almost cheating. Napoleon Dynamite, Dark- when it came out, was very much like uh, it wasn't super widely known. There were a few people who were like, oh, I got to see that. And I think the PG rating really helped because Christian kids are the ones that really ruined that for me. As far as I remember, it was like, yeah, well, same, hey. but it was I only knew Christian kids. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. they ruined everything. Yeah. 
There's a pattern there. Yeah, that was like the greatest grassroots marketing campaign ever done. You know, it was yeah. like it was like second. It was like Napoleon Dynamite, uh, Barack Obama's candidacy. Goes one two. That's it. I, but you know what's effective? Like my mom does not really like movies as a whole. Like does not watch a ton of movies. Thinks movies are dumb. She and my dad watched Napoleon Dynamite, and the next morning, starting school, she was complaining to my sister and I how dumb it was. And for an hour and a half, she complained about it while laughing, while she repeated funny things that were so <laughs> stupid that she couldn't help but laugh at them. And like, and then, but it was like an hour and a half of her doing that. That was, <laughs> it was better than actually seeing the movie, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like there's occasionally those movies where you don't, where you. Yeah, you don't love it, but there are parts of it that explaining it make it sound. I'm trying to think. There's a, there was like a few comedies. Like I guess Superbad was actually one of those for me, where you're like, there's things that I feel like are conceptually funny in it, uh, but then when you watch it, you're just like, I I didn't love it when I saw it, and I think maybe I think the problem might have been I was still too Christian at the time to mm. appreciate it. I was like, oh, I don't know if this is okay. Uh, you know, Forty Year Old Virgin was another one of those. Where I was like, I don't know, this is a lot. I probably shouldn't be watching this, but it's kind of funny. Then shout out to anyone who thought Superbad wasn't as funny as it could have been. If you haven't seen Book Smart, it came out like two or three years ago. It's almost exactly the same concept as Superbad, except it's girls. Even Jonah Hill's sister is one of them. Oh. Um, and it's way funnier than Superbad. We just rewatched it last night. I hadn't seen it in like two years, and it's amazing. It's an awesome movie. Book smart. Okay. Book smart. It's Never Olivia heard of Wilde's it. directorial debut. But like the concept is so similar to Superbad. You just have to roll with it. I'll roll with it. But anyway, abortion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Back on I, abortion. I don't feel like the Democrats are going to use that to win anything in the midterms because Democrats are really good at losing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're good at it. defeat from the jaws of victory. Like they have the most perfect thing lined up and instead... They're going to do some like milk toast, like protesting and some shaking of fists. And then they're going to like not pass it by 48 to 52. And then they're going to say that sends a strong message. And then they're going to retreat back to their corner and lose in November. That's my prediction. Yeah. Well, and then you have losers like, uh, like, I don't think any name boils my blood more than Joe Manchin. Yeah. He's just like, have you met Matt Gates? Yeah. I haven't met him personally. No, I'm just like, what are you even doing? Like, what's your point? What, like, why do you exist? Like that guy just clearly gets off on being a naysayer. He loves it. He gets like, yeah, I think he likes, he's got all the attention of the country on him right now. And he doesn't know what to do. It gives him, it gives so much power when you're, when it's that close. And for what, what type of power, the power where everyone hates you, but they need you to do their thing. Well, Google his house. I'm sure it looks great. Oh, I'm sure he's got plenty of money. He's been taking coal donations for decades. But I'm saying at this point, what else are you going to do? Like, you have to know everyone hates you on your party and the other party. And you're never going to be president. Like, you've you've officially reached your peak. Oh, yeah. He's peaked. That guy is peaked hard. I feel like... Um, you're kind of like a, anyone... a McCain. It's like a John McCain was one of those where it was like, I could go either way. It was like, I wish you'd die. And then he did. <laughs> and then he did. After 
he got Casey also getting captured. Yeah, I would say uh, Casey also doesn't like his heroes getting captured. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like the no, but really, how do you feel about prisoners of war? Oh, uh, that's bad. What <laughs> I don't see John McCain. <laughs> <laughs> he was so scarred by the by the experience he championed every military conflict ever even the ones we somehow got away with not getting <laughs> hey he's a military man he understands his reaction wouldn't understand after getting like poked by a stick in a bamboo cage for a few years he was just <laughs> I, like, I, will, I will give him the credit <laughs> He's just like, yeah, this is fucking kill everything. Fuck this shit. <laughs> show you how this shit feels. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Listeners, Casey is reclined back in his chair, holding his eyes. He is he is weeping. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh Sam wins. that was was special actually i had some nice stuff to say about john mccain i just don't feel like now's the time you just gotta let that go (laughs) i actually don't have a ton of shade to throw at him i'm not he's not my favorite but uh i just think that uh i don't yeah i don't really know where to go with it from there i I think mccain is like the perfect example of how detached politicians are from the like the policies and the and the things that they that they push through is like you look at how many people lined up for different military conflicts. Like a lot of people have died partly because of John McCain, but then yeah. like as soon as he's dead, it's everybody. Oh, John the, the, McCain, John McCain. He's a I, hero. I think there he are the maverick. There, there are. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I think there are plenty of good things to say about him. I wouldn't agree that he championed every single war from then on. I think he was notably different. He was still a war hawk, but like he was definitely a conservative war hawk, but he did seem to have a slightly different perspective based on his years of torture. Um, you would have hoped it was a significantly different perspective, but whatever. I do want to give him a shout out though. If you remember um, he like after he was diagnosed with brain cancer, he was 80. He had just had surgery. He was the, the final vote to keep the uh, Affordable Care Act from being repealed. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like he dragged his dying body in there and did like a very dramatic thumbs down to make Trump hate him forever. That's right. That's I feel like that's when he crawled off and died. That's when the left was like, all right, maybe he's not all bad, but that right. He he held on long enough to do that. Like, I, I mean, that's that's pretty gangster, like dragging your dying body into the Senate floor just to like because he could have voted by proxy like he definitely went down yeah. there and well he hated just to rub yeah, it in he Trump's wanted face. to get his face in there yeah you don't he get on tv Trump voting so by proxy which is fine i'm glad he hated Trump. one cool it's also- in 40 years <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I think there's a couple others but yes you're i agree with you for the most part he uh you'd hope that somebody that went through the experiences he went through would have a a very different outlook on life not like five percent different not like he's one of the only people you know in the early 2000s going ah I don't know about this whole torture thing, guys. If you'd like to, li- I could tell you some stories while everyone's just storming past him to like expand Guantanamo. I know. You know? You're like, hey, remember how much you didn't like that? Was that, did you, or what? No, no, he, he he was opposed to it even back then. Like, and that's okay. and that was something that people definitely called out. Like, well, of course he's going to be like pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You didn't, oh, you didn't like that? Oh, you weren't tough enough. <laughs> to, for the record, no, I don't think anyone ever said that. Everyone was much more complimentary, but, but yeah. That, that, was, that was a George W. hot mic moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who did what's he McCain, cuss at? What's McCain bitching about again? Who, who oh, did my he, arms uh, hurt. I can't raise him. Okay. <laughs> man, remember the George W. Bush hot mic moment where he, I'm he dropped an F-bomb on somebody. That's right. That is right. Who who did was he talking about? Um, I'm looking. I'm looking. Okay, Jamie so looked that up on on a hot mic thing in 2006. He was talking to British Prime Minister Tony Blair about the Middle East and said, "See, the irony is what they need to do is get Syria to get Hezbollah to stop doing this shit, and it's over." I don't think that's it, though. Is it? Uh, I'm scanning. Well, that's a pretty good uh, look at his very educated insight on Middle Eastern policy. policy. Yeah, I'm reading through a Politico article on presidential hot mic moments. I'd never heard this one. Um, Ronald Reagan in 1984. This was on a hot mic. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. (laughs) And he was just making a joke to somebody who didn't know the mic was on. That's actually pretty funny. (laughs) And that's how planet Earth died. (laughs) <laughs> we things have really though, improved with us since. Yeah, then. I say in the year 2022, it's just jokes, guys. It's just jokes. Oh <laughs> 38 <God>. years later. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a couple. Of, I I remember being like, I remember having to feel like I needed to make excuses for George Bush using unChristian language. So, I but I, that's that's what I remember about that. It's like, oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe he, uh, maybe he sometimes say that. it's okay. Not my good Christian George W. Yeah. Well, I'm finding him. Do you guys remember when he was like, when he talked about how he had prayed about whether or not he needed to go to war and God was like, yeah, you should. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I remember that stuff similar to that. Just just like swelling with pride. Yeah. It was like, well, you know, he is a Christian (laughs) and he did pray about it and God told him. So that must be case closed. Right. I mean, God wouldn't tell him something that he shouldn't do that would be awful god's and god's not awful so yeah i dude it's crazy to think about the about anybody at any president any one with that much power to be like look i was on the fence about it but i prayed and god was like you need to go to war and everyone being like oh that makes us feel better and then Um, he goes to war like without the support of anything did any i mean he had public support colin powell yeah. He had and, public support, but that's something important to remember. The, I mean, the, the public wasn't like 80 something percent supported, 70 oh, something. Yeah. Like the country yeah. was extremely united about glassing the Middle East. So, so it was like, that going for him. Really shocked uh, listening to some podcasts recently on the Iraq war. Like, our, in the lead up to our invasion of Iraq, the largest protests in history happened around yeah. the world. Like, I forget how many different countries people came out and protested the war and stuff like that. And, and I mean, I feel like we didn't hear anything. About Not at here. all. Nothing. It was all like victory is imminent, boys. Like that was basically it was America's back to being America. Let's do it. Ain't gonna it was about, us down. It was about seven months later that Bush was like, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> when he flew in in the jet and 
He like yep. jumped out and blew a bubble with his bazooka bubble gum, and <laughs> <laughs> we win. Good news. Terror is dead. Was, and there was an infant watching that at home who would grow up and go to die in that war one day. No <laughs> shit, dude. It's a, that's what's awful. It's like literally people who weren't even born yet died in that same war that he declared mission accomplished on. Um, I think the the f bomb may have been Joe Biden to Barack Obama after the Affordable Care Act passed. Apparently, he hugged Obama, and then they heard him on a mic whispering, "This is a big effing deal." Oh, I remember that. Oh, I don't remember people caring That's about less that. Exciting. Well, yeah, I feel like Bush definitely had he. A bed he had I'm sure, I'm sure he called somebody it. an a hole. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it Adam not Clymer, just... a reporter for the New York Times. He told it. He said it to Dick Cheney, and Dick Cheney said, "Yeah, big time." I mean, that feels <laughs> almost like extremely nice compared to what people get called these days, <laughs> like what reporters get called. Yeah, Dick Cheney's like, "Here's a cookie. Now be quiet, Daddy's talking." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, all right, we should go ahead and introduce our guest, and our guest today is. Jason Brommer. And I found Jason uh, online. He's an artist. He is an incredible artist. If you're following the page on Instagram, I've shared a good bit of his posts uh, and the work that he's done. He's been a full-time artist in Chicago for like 22 years or something wild like that. He's done some if you live in that area, you've probably seen some of his murals around, but you know, he'll do some stuff inside restaurants. He does all sorts of commission paintings. He's, he's really incredible. Uh, he sent me a bunch of pictures of his art studio. I'll probably share a bunch of this stuff uh, after we make, after we drop this episode, uh, because I, I just loved what he was doing so much that I had reached out to him. And turns out he also, you know, grew up, grew up evangelical Christian and had some pretty fun experiences with it. But what's interesting about him is he, he has left, he left it uh, and never really thought twice about it for so long uh, that it was kind of the engagement that we've had with him that brought him back to a lot of the memories and ideas. Cause he, none of his friends, his peer groups, no, no one's part of it. So even when he does talk about it, it kind of falls on deaf ears uh, and, and for a long time, it's never really come up in his personal and so like in social life and stuff like that. So it, it was really fun to be able to talk to him. And you could definitely like I, I've kept in touch with him a good bit since this. And it's just like because we recorded this one a good few weeks back. And it's like, holy shit, the amount of things that like you forget about or he was able to, which I think is hilarious because so many of us have been unable to just let the past wash away in a way that we'd like. Uh, but he's a great guy, uh, and I, I if, you, if you're in the Chicago area, you should definitely try to find, I'm not exactly sure, I don't know, I don't know Chicago geography, but you should try to find some of his work and, and check it out. Uh, but either way, really fun guy. I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation. So uh, before we cut to our interview, yeah, we should... If if you are enjoying the podcast, yeah, that's uh, what I was trying to say. With- anybody and everybody who might also enjoy it. Um, if you really like it, go to iTunes or, or Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I think Spotify is even doing reviews now. Yeah, but, they uh, are. it's cool. Give us a five star review. We'd appreciate it. You don't even it. have to write shit. You can just click the five star. No pressure to write anything. 
the more reviews we get, the closer we are to getting George making W. Our Bush on the podcast. What? So. <laughs> and with that, enjoy our conversation with Jason Brammer. Hey, everybody. We're back with our guest, Jason Brammer. Jason, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we've been talking. So for the listeners, I, um, I somehow found your... I got connected with you on Instagram because your artwork really stuck out to me. You're a fantastic yeah. artist. And after perusing your page for a bit, um, you know, sent you a message and we got to talk and turns out you also uh, share some of our, our fun experiences of uh, an evangelical childhood. And there's, we've been talking there's other ever people since. that grew up Christian. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it sounds like you're uh, in a new kind of not really a bubble in a bit negative sense, but um, you're you've you've removed yourself from that world in a way that I'm impressed by. You seem to have like almost almost forgot about it as much as one can. Uh, yes, I, I'm far removed um, from the evangelical world. Uh, my connection to the evangelical culture now is my parents, and that's it. And um, yes, yeah, so. That being said, if anybody is listening who is practicing uh, evangelicalism or part of that realm, I would like to say that we're going to, I might say some fucked up shit that will be highly, highly offensive to people, perhaps. So uh, that's my disclaimer. So we'll just... Uh, Put the trigger warning on it for current evangelicals. I, I don't know. Maybe the intro, like maybe you guys weeded everybody out with the something i don't know but if i would just say <laughs> we've done our best okay thank you. thank you yeah they they know the specific breed of scum that we are yeah <laughs> we've established ourselves as uh heresy speakers from time to time so well i love that i think it's i think what you guys are doing is awesome oh thanks man it feels um kind of isolating or you feel that's like the fact that you all are talking about this stuff openly is good for people to hear and uh, I, I think it's it does a lot of people good and a lot of people that grip on that scene. Yeah, thanks. Show this Dude, why don't you go ahead and start us off with a little bit about who you are and the world that you kind of, the, the brand of evangelicalism that you came up with. Came up in, not with. I don't think you invented your own kind. <laughs> it's a long podcast. We'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> the um, So I was, I was born in a small town in Ohio, Lancaster, Ohio. And I, uh, just outside of Columbus, it was, it was a church of Christ. So pretty hard, right, ultra conservative fundamentalist. And my father was the pastor. And so the idea in fundamentalism, as you all know, it's the idea is like, what, what we need to do is if you want to get right with God, we need to go back to the basics and we need to go back to where this, the source and, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'm laughing as well. Uh, but the idea that we we look back to Leviticus as like a guidebook or something, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like the old, I mean, it's a cliche. It's like, what's the book that turned you against Christianity? It's like uh, the book of Leviticus and like the old Testament. I read it. And so anyway, I was brought up in that real, real far right, ultra conservative. Um, then we moved to Indianapolis, Indiana. My dad was a pastor there and it okay. was, and then that that's, he was, uh, my dad's awesome, by the way. I mean, just like he wasn't a, a uh, we've made amends and whatever. It's like he's 
it's it's good between us at, at, after some time. So it's that's great. I, I don't know that everyone has I, 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 people's experiences may vary uh, on this right. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The fact that your dad didn't abandon you for his crotchety old church family is like a positive. So, <laughs> so yes. that's a feather in your cap. Correct. <laughs> or he's retired. So, but uh, yeah. Was um, Church of Christ? I always forget. There's so uh, I always forget that. Is that the uh, charismatic one with the tongues and stuff? No, it was okay. just real blue collar. Um, just I'm small church, like intense. The, the sermons are pretty pretty lit up. I mean, he'd get you know it's like as intense. Um, and then the the church where I mean this is like third grade I left in, up to third grade and then the Indianapolis church was more that ended up getting more like kind of mega churchy softer uh, band you know drums and then all that stuff and boy that's a big shift yeah what what motivated that I mean sounds like you moved but we moved uh, my dad I just well I don't want to speak for him I just I don't think that he related to that that hard right thing like just like that real extremism i mean he's just their spiritual path i won't speak for them but it's just it's just kind of become more accepting and over the years and like that i look back and, I, and all this stuff i mean this the like my vitriol and like anger against evangelicalism it's geared towards sunday school teachers from the 70s <laughs> you know, people that have been dead for a long time it's like that like the shit that i was told <laughs> as a little kid is like in the 70s 80s in Ohio. I mean, cray cray, you know. Yeah. Well, let's hang out there for a second then. Uh, did you get, uh, did they use flannel graphs to expose you to the gospel message? Yes. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> graphs. Yes. Um, Little sheep yeah. and shepherds just kind of yeah. putting them over on the pasture. Um, I'm in the room now. I'm in the, I'm in the concrete cinder block room and I'm in, <laughs> I'm in second grade. And I'm like leaning back in the chair and the teacher chastises me. And I swear, I, I looked her in the eye and I said, I was like, what difference does it make? My Jared, my buddy Jared was like, Jared and I are going to hell anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> told my second grade teacher that in her fucking eye. She's like, oh my God. She's like, go to the hallway. Because I felt like alienated from all this stuff. And so I thought that I was going to hell and, uh, That's actually really. Why did you feel alienated from it at such a young age? Most people are just I, like along for the ride. I rejected it. I wouldn't. I've would never been baptized. Wow. Um. This is a. That's very interesting to me. I, I almost even if people didn't buy in, most people are just like I don't know. You're a kid, right? You just believe the shit that people tell you. Uh, even if you don't really believe it, you're just like yeah. I mean, you don't have any other options. You haven't been. Ex nothing else has been explained to you. So you just. You go with it. And then the, those are the kids in high school who just like do whatever they want and get caught smoking weed out behind the church and all that kind of shit. But like, I think that's so funny that like, I just, it never stuck. You never, you just, it didn't sink in and you didn't buy in. I don't. Uh, I would say that it did sink in. Yeah. <laughs> I did buy in. And to your point, I was the kid with weed in high school. Let's be clear on that. Sure. I was the dude, we're doing like our youth things or whatever it's like all right you know i've got a different i've got a different program for you uh, <laughs> i'm curious was, this I, this cinder block room did it have those like radiant hot water heat registers 
along the walls that you'd occasionally burn your arms on if you lean back in your chair. Man, Casey, I, I blocked that out if that's part of the, we had a, a carpet ball. It was like a game where you'd play like carpet ball with the. Oh, carpet ball was fun. That was a good yes. summer camp game. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and you have your, your lunatic youth minister, like fucking off his meds, bouncing off the walls or whatever. That was fun. <laughs> You guys are getting so caught up in the carpet ball, you're forgetting about Jesus. Okay, you need to put this carpet ball aside for a second. We're banning carpet ball for the next three weeks. I need to see a commitment from you guys. The, that dude was all about the carpet ball, but uh, so no heaters, uh, no. Uh, like it was like a garden unit space, but so that was like second grade. I'm, I think I moved in third grade. But okay. I listened to, uh, so I'm kind of, I'm a new fan to the podcast. I've, I've heard um, Jesse Kale, uh, Nick Thune, uh, Alyssa Sabo. Yeah. I heard that. And then last night, I heard you guys' origin story. So oh, it was way back. <laughs> it was perfect. Perfect. Set the clock for 420, put on my headphones, listen to my new friends about. So, Casey, you were talking about. Um, it does like there's the part of the, your story that resonated with me was that aspects of any kind of doc, indoctrination to anything, they do seep into your psyche and whether or not you resist it or whatever. So it, it does. I mean, every adult in your life is telling you a, a really specific thing. I mean, that's like that's going to you have to undo it or you have to understand what's been done to you or you have to address it if, if it's just you just go on and on. Then it's like, God made weeds because of Eve or, you know, whatever. It's just like, huh? So that's true. Uh, like even the stuff that you don't wholeheartedly buy into, like I never really bought the music side of things. I mean, they, you know, we sat through all these sermons that were like, they would go, they would start at the most extreme, which was usually rap music to them. And then they would work their way down until they were like chastising you for listening to like Southern gospel. Mm. And I never bought into any of that, but there's still like that, that rings in the back of your head when you're like, man, everybody else seems like they're really into this and I don't feel it. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm listening to DC talk. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Your brain's been corrupted. You've, you've let the devil take hold and now you're on a dark path. Maybe I should throw away that Leonard Skinner greatest hit CD from Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys have the dude who would come around um, who's like, I'm Eddie Primor. I'm here to expose you to the evils of rock music. Like like, (laughs) the satanic panic when I was a kid in the 80s, dude. They'd come in, this dude rolled in and, and they would tell you like these really dirty innuendos like Cindy Lauper. She <laughs> if you read the lyrics, it's about female, mm. Mm. females touching themselves. <laughs> it's like, you, like they read all the lyrics and like read into everything and they're like obsessed with it and like Depe- Depeche mode. Who knows what SM means? You're just like, huh? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we, we missed the majority of the satanic panic. We were like, it kind of fizzled out when we were like, probably around the time that we were kids. We I we grew up uh, in like the like the nineties really. They'd still queue up the uh the VHSs once in a while though. Like what was the the chubby guy with the earring and the long curly hair? You know what I'm Mike talking? Warnke. Mike Warnke. 
Yes. <laughs> Last podcast on the left did like a great series on Mike Warnke and dude sucks. <laughs> you were like prime. That was your, you were right in the middle of that though. I was in uh Herod and then jumping forward, I went to a, a Christian, uh, not a private school, a Christian school. When you guys made that distinction, which is nice. I went to a Christian school um, from like sixth grade through sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And so that whole like we, in Bible class, we had a Bible class that I failed. Um, <laughs> they uh, played Mike Warnke like for real. And they would take us out and they would show us. Uh, I'm just riffing here. I'm like, the dude, you guys were talking about some ministry you had on who wouldn't shut up. Like, I'm that dude who just like. <laughs> You're not riffing. that dude. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't listened to the episode. But I'm, I'll, I'll try not to monologue. Um, but um, we went out and they they took us outside. They're just like, they set up cones in Bible class. And they're just like, these space. And they're like, this is the six cubits. This is the arc, like the, the space that it took up. And we're like these dumb kids, like looking up and we're just like, oh, this is the size of the ark. Wow. Like, <laughs> like for real. I mean, I'm, I'm telling my friends that now. They're just like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, no, nobody taught you science or like you didn't learn. You weren't educated in a traditional form. It's like, uh, no. Yeah, they don't, your, your friends probably don't even know what a cubit is. A cuba, man. I, I may not either. What's that? Oh, the cubit. The cubit is a length from like your chin oh. to the oh, very no. bottom hair on your ball sack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cubit. That's what the arc is measured in. That's what you're it's saying. Fingertip yep. to elbows. Oh, which so is hilarious. It's not an exact measurement. Because, like, you know, a few hundred years ago, saying like it was forty cubits wide and forty cubits long, or whatever it was, probably made it sound gargantuan. But now mm. it's like. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Bezos' boat has a dinghy that size, you know? <laughs> right. And it's like, how long is the dudes who measured, like, what's his cubit? I know, like, there's my that one cubit guy is shorter the, than the your bar. cubit, I can Didn't tell. Work right. Exactly. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> it's so funny when you see it measured, you hear, like, because you do, you like, it plays up in your mind, like, what the size of the arc is. And then when you do see it, you're like, I... There's more animals than that. I know for sure there's right. more animals than that. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no scientist, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that everything on earth did not fit. In yeah. <laughs> and then they get, I like the theories that like, well, you know, listen, okay. We know, we, we understand space and spatial awareness. We get it. So really how this worked was they got a bunch of babies and the babies they hibernated the whole time even animals that don't normally hibernate and you're like that's what you that's how you like and, and that's what's funny is like so growing up with the creation like the creationism ken ham all that kind of stuff you're like you you you're told this and then you build everything around it so when something doesn't make sense you can literally just make something up well of course of course the animals just hibernated that's how this works and like then if you've like thrown another fact they're like well also, they had a shrink ray on board because that's just as plausible as all the animals hiring. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Wasn't there only like one porthole at the top where they must have had to carry like <laughs> buckets of like elephant dumps? <laughs> have you seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Okay, so there was a time portal. <laughs> He's sleeping with his daughters and getting wasted in a cave. It's like, what? 
I know it's crazy. I used to read. Um, my family uh, used to read the Bible together. Like that's like I, I was me and all my siblings homeschooled. So right. we right. would sit around and we would have our Bible class and we would read. We went through the. We had a Bible that was in chronological order, and we would read through. And we would get to those points, and we're just like, wait a second, what? <laughs> right. But then you ask your mom that like we haven't talked about sex yet, but we're over here like, so wait, what just happened? Noah's banging his daughters. What is going on? His son is cursed for all eternity because he walked in and saw him drunk and covered him yes. up. It's like, yes. Dad Mark- built a boat on a whim and then listened to the entire world die screaming outside of it. He deserves a drink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, so this is all on your flannel graph, right? Is that <laughs> flannel graph? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I'm 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 in Indianapolis, growing up in the church. Um, I guess do you want me to continue the Christian path? Or yeah, take do whatever you want. If we have a questions, we'll stop you. And as you'll as you've already experienced, we will derail this incessantly. I appreciate the, the derail. <laughs> Just put a marker sometimes I get derailed myself. <laughs> um, I would say one significant thing that happened to me in high school was I, I got a book by Ram Das. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Is a teacher uh, who passed recently. But um, so I was reading Ram Das in high school and my parents found it. And Ram Das, for those of you that don't know, is an uh, Eastern teacher that's from the Vedanta tradition, uh, which is uh, Hindu form of Hinduism. And so, um, wonderful man. Um, so it was this huge deal, massive ordeal when they found this book, I had a little, like some incense or something. And I, it was at an altar or they thought it was whatever freaked out. And so I just, I had to hide everything that I was listening to red hot chili peppers that had a secret hiding place, smashing pumpkins, like all the Jane's addiction, uh, all this, you too, I could keep out and puff. You too, yeah. was <laughs> but I pretty much, I, I wasn't into, I mean, I wouldn't say I hated it. I was not into Christian music at all. Um, I was playing in, I was playing in bands at the time in high school and we were doing shows with hardcore. Like we would play like hardcore shows with punk rock bands. And then we were kind of, we weren't a hardcore band, but uh, it's called planet earth. And so we just, we did our thing, but actually the church, I mean, I'm talking shit about the church. Like, it, I was in the band there. I gigged. I learned how to play bass. I met the, the lead singer of the band that I'm still super tight with, um, Tim Jones, a singer in Nashville. And it's like all the so there's a lot of, of beautiful connections and friendships and all that. But I just was always resistant to it. And I felt a lot of scrutiny after the Ram Das thing. And I felt like through that evangelical eye, there's a screw. It's like, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? And you guys, like the youth minister, edited airplane. So it's like the you know the boobs are out of it, or they edit it to where you can. It's like that kind of. Thing. <laughs> you guys riff a little on that stuff, but that kind of shit. So who gave you? Um, where'd you? Who introduced you to Ram Dass? Um, I don't. I just. I don't know. Really? I just got got a Ram Dass book and um that was just a i felt i i don't know what um I, I wanted a different path i think at the time but i was but i had to be real secretive and sneaky and 
you know, I'm taking a lot of acid. I'm in high school, <laughs> um, smoking a lot of herbs, you know, and so hand in hand with Ram Dass. start partying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pre-internet, right? You're not like looking up like Eastern religions on ask Jeeves or whatever the fuck no. like, you. So, I mean, it was really just a diff a quest for something different led you to a book by Ron. Probably Ross. some, probably the cover in a New Age section at a bookstore. Yeah. That's so. I was cool. Ask, did that get categorized? Like, did your parents think that you were into the New Age stuff? Oh yeah, of course. And and on that note, I mean, just in that culture, uh, that's like there's a shelf, and it's like crystals, New Age, Buddha. Hindu, Shiva, like it's all the same thing to to like that world. It's like like Buddhism has nothing to do with crystals. I I identify as a Buddhist, as a secular Buddhist, and so it's like the idea that I, like oh he's Buddhist, it's into the occult and it's all it's like this esoteric weird shit. It's like it's it's more that's not it's yeah. not the, <laughs> it's not this, you don't you haven't taken enough time to learn like you don't care. The only reason this is like an Alan Watts thing, but it's like a Christian, like an evangelical Christian who's trying to convert somebody. The only reason they learn about another religion is so that they can undermine it and, not, and learn how to win you over to their side. It's like, they don't care. It's like, they're the judge and the jury because it's their religion. You know? Yeah. That's, you know, that I think I've mentioned this before this analogy. Um, but when I was at Liberty uh, working with uh, this, he was a good guy too. Like, um, it's just we were all in that bubble and we all had these thoughts. Uh, but what he had it? he had mentioned it was like, oh, how do you? He could he had heard someone compare it to people who investigate counterfeits, right? Counterfeit uh, counterfeit dollars, counterfeit mm -hmm. currency. He's like, you don't you don't learn everything there is to know about all the counterfeits. Like you just what you do know is the actual dollar so well that you can always spot a fake. And that's like basically Christian apologetics. Like <laughs> we're just going to learn this. We'll know it's so good. And we'll just feel to pick apart everything else. And it's like, whatever you do, don't learn about it. Just learn what you know really well. <laughs> <laughs> what they don't tell you about in that analogy is all the people who made a living counterfeiting money and who never got caught so it's as good as the real thing right <laughs> right so, but yeah so um this jamming a lot in high school um i went to um the christian junior high it was kind of funny uh we had a, a as a non-christian i had a we, me and my friend were in a group that we called rad rad which was <laughs> rebels against discipline <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I hope yeah. this turns into a tattoo. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For the listener, I'm showing them my full back ink of the the rad logo. And, and for the, the the A in the rad is the symbol for anarchy. So yeah, perfect. That's how we rolled at, at Heritage Christian with Tim <laughs> Summers, my boy, that and we would just change trade notes all the time. But we were just, it was, dude, it's, it was so funny, like, the shit that, that would go down. Because he, he was like, well, one of the things that we got in a lot of trouble for that I think is, it was one of the hardest times I'd ever laughed was like, you know, when the school buses are leaving, and they're all lined up, and they're just like, all taken off. 
you, you were homeschooled, but Casey, you know, when the I saw it, I, I've seen it a couple of times <laughs> in passing. Yeah. I've watched movies. <laughs> I saw Ferris Bueller's day off. You know, when there's thousands of kids at a school, no. So that, so my, my friend runs out, like he's like flailing papers, like wait, wait, wait. And he does, and he, like the bus stops and he's like, Oh, sorry, wrong bus. And he does that every single bus. And I'm like, like in seventh grade, dude, he ain't like trying not to pee my pants. And I'm just like, darn, he keeps doing it. And then the, the principal or the, the transportation, Mrs. Vaisaki comes out and we go into her office, dude. It's the last day, it's the day before spring break. And we're getting ready, like parents are called and she's bitching me out. And my friend Tim, gets behind her and does like that lip tuck thing like that. You know, when you tuck your lip. <laughs> he starts like imitating her behind her back, like right behind her. And I'm just, I mean, I can't. I just start dying. She's like, what is so funny? <laughs> called in. We're grounded for like over spring break. Um, it was, it was awesome. So, so fun. I love when kids that young do something that's legitimately funny. Like, cause there's so many not funny things that kids do at that age. <laughs> Right. And when they actually, when that, when, when there's like the funny kid, when they can actually hone in on like good humor, I love it. That's such a good one. So it, yeah, it was, it was worth being grounded over spring break to, to have that memory of, of, uh, of my awesome friend. <laughs> and all he did, what's so funny is you got grounded just for laughing at it. Like what you didn't do anything. I, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Dude, I'm going to call gonna Is call that school still around? I'm calling. You're gonna you're gonna call Miss Vaisaki and my mother and explain that I was not part of this. So anyway, I, I felt like in um, in that school, man, it was just real uptight, and, and my they were more uptight than my parents were. Frankly, they were like hard hardcore creation, hardcore. Just I mean, just frankly, like not that smart of a scene. I, guess I feel like that was often not, the case with Christian schools. I know so many kids who went to Christian schools from fairly regular homes like and then but it was always christian school that was like they're so uptight they would part of what you're buying yeah it's like we're not paying extra to send you to a normal school like we want you to be in like a hitler youth camp (laughs) (laughs) what what was the dress code uh we could wear bugle boy the baggy pants like pants it was like um tucked in no hair on collar no bet like you, you had to you had to sign something that you wouldn't smoke or swear we were just like fuck this like this i mean i was so not into this the scene and then uh so then ended up going to high, you know getting into high school went to a public school and then i got you know it's like integrated into an, a, a more mainstream scene making friends and and then being involved being immersed and pulled into the youth group stuff from my church having to do all that stuff but just not but just resisting it i mean just being like i mean i had people at the heritage i had dudes like like the principals like what is keeping you from the lord just like <laughs> aggressively i did a cartoon i sent somebody one of you guys a cartoon of it and it's like and the, and the paddle behind the and the back it's Proverbs 4.12 or whatever. It's like spare the rod, spoil the child thing. And so, dude, it was like, I got in trouble. I got all these detentions and I got pulled in there and he's like, all right, I'm going to spank you. I was like, I'm going to give you five on Friday, five right now. And then I'm going to give five on Monday. So you can think about it over the weekend. And you're just he like, spanked you? Oh, yeah, dude. What like, the fuck? 
Well, like not, I mean like a paddle, like a thing, like a big paddle. Yeah, like a fucking uh, brick like a oven pizza fucking paddle. <laughs> <laughs> You're like beating the dust out of a rug. <laughs> Two hands. On... <laughs> no, no, actually, it wasn't. That would not be aerodynamic enough. It, it was like a thin thing. A pizza thing would be too slow. You put holes in it. There's holes drilled through it, isn't there? <laughs> he's got a Ken Griffey Jr. poster on the wall next to him. He's just checking his stance. The <laughs> oh, like cricket paddle? Is that <laughs> Monday, Monday, paddling day. Oh my God. And you know what? You thought about just... it all weekend, and so did he. He was he fucking did. jerking off all weekend. He was just at half mast <laughs> all weekend. Just like, oh my God, no. The next six months after 9 11 for him. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, yeah. No. I, I refuse to, to put that in my mind. <laughs> But, oh my god! So yeah, so it was like it was a controlling situation where they like to control what you think, and and they believe that there's a deity that's in your head that reads your thoughts from afar and perceives your coming and going. And if you make your bed in the depths, surely there my love will find you, and all that stuff. So it see see it seeps in. I got it. I got a little bit of the. It's in there. Yeah, it's, in there. it's hard to it root out. out. Back. Yeah. It's like you need one of those little tools that you dig the brown spot out of a potato with. (laughs) What the, so the paddler, let's, is it all right if we just call him daddy? We just, we'll call call him Gary. (laughs) Gary. (laughs) Describe what is, what is Gary like? I want to get a picture of him. Um, he was a real, just, if we were imitating, we'd say, Hey guy. How's it going, guy? I uh, just wanted to run a couple, like super docile, just almost like your buddy kind of thing. But real, real, real chill. But then, you know, <laughs> then he's got this. Yeah. The spanking uh, was the outlet, apparently. I mean, they were like, in their defense, they were saving me from the flames of hell. So, of course, they're going to do whatever they can. And uh, he was like, it was just like, tell me about this. I saw some posters in your locker, guy. Um Tell me about this band, Cheap Trick. What, what does that mean to you? What does a cheap trick mean to you? And I saw the outfield play deep. What does, now what does that mean, play deep? How do you think, it's another one of those dudes who's like analyzing the lyrics and being like, if you know what I mean. I want you to want me. all this time he's not picking up on all the sexual innuendos and the worship music he's singing on the weekends (laughs) checkered flag pattern is a uh is a subtle sign of satanism so you know that's why i don't listen to cheap trick anymore yeah of course and i had a cassette player to to evade gary's eye um i took like a, a crayon box and i put my cassette player in it and cut it around it and then we'd put run one arm up, one speaker up the, the hand and like, you know, listen to, <laughs> so listen to probably like the circle jerks. Probably That's a Bart to, Simpson like, shit right there. That's nice. The circle jerks. Just kind of like, fuck this. Like we were, we were punk rock skateboard kids and listen to misfits and stuff. Can you just see him like in a parent teacher conference being like, you know, I'm a little concerned that, uh, 
Jason still carries crayons with him everywhere. I mean, he's, an eight, he's going into high school. He might ought to go up to markers at least. Really, I'm worried Colored about his pencils. career. I actually got I got busted with that, and it was a huge deal because of the deception. It was oh. the deception. It wasn't the the music. It's the deceptive nature of your being. Dude, it's wild. That's Casey's mentioned this a few times, but it's like at Christian school, it's um they they'll make the biggest they, because like the rules that are broken are so benign. Like they're not real rules. They're just so strange. Like they'll everything that's small. Like in high, if you're in a public high school and they found you with like sneaking, like you're a way to listen to music during class, it'd be like whatever. They'd be like, oh uh, yeah, you can't do that. Duh. Then maybe get a detention or yeah. something like that. They're not gonna be like take it personally but at, right. at these schools they're like they make such a big deal out of nothing like they, the stakes are so high it's yeah, like it's, it doesn't you, make you any sense the better of daddy i mean gary gary gare bear <laughs> oh man yeah Is he on facebook i'm gonna find him on facebook when nobody's doing anything wrong you find a reason to be upset with people it's always like catastrophic too. It's like, I just don't know about this path that Jason's going down. I mean, I just see this, this like pattern of rebellion in his life. And, you know, I mean, we have a rule. You have to tuck your shirt in during class. And I don't know how many times I have to tell him during the week to tuck his shirt in, but it's a lot. It's a pattern. Dude, did you work there? <laughs> Are you my daddy, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> That's my retirement plan. Old, old daddy, Gare Bear. Uh, go down and brainwash a bunch of idiots. It's not that hard. Is uh, Was there like I a mean, particular way that people broke dress code? I, like Will Smith style, right? You know, he would turn his, uh, in the Fresh Prince, he would turn his jacket inside out. Um, broke, no, I don't, I can't think of anything. I just, just like leaving getting out of that their dumps <laughs> just leaving and wearing whatever i wanted i think that was my <laughs> uh, broke free but you guys were talking about you uh, you you talk about summer camp sometimes yeah and all that christian camps are always fun i have i met i feel like i've mentioned this one but i never did real christian summer camp i guess if we're talking a full summer no a week-long thing i only did that once and it was called the uh, worldview academy and that's just you know where you go and learn. It was Are an apolog. It was an apologetics camp. <laughs> humble, humble brag. Yeah. World Academy. You may have heard of it. Yeah. Also referred to as Guantanamo Prey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you have summer camp stories? Did you do Christian summer camps? I did. Um, I have the the funniest thing that's funny to me now is not funny to my parents is is they my parents were like convinced that summer camp would be the thing that would you know whatever crack break me open, you crack, crack me open for the lord or what i don't know because like it helped it helped them and and they were in super into camp um so i go off and they're you know all into me being in camp and i just would go off and i remember like sitting there by the fire everybody's crying all these people are coming forward and the rededications and I'm just sitting there. I was like, I'm not, I'm not moving, dude. Like all these adults are pressuring me. It's like, I'm not doing it. But the funny part, that's the, the dark side of it, of just 
trying to pressure a kid into thinking that they're an evil pile of rags, like Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans. Um, I'm in summer camp and I go in there and I'm like, my parents are probably like, you know, just hope that Jason touches his heart or whatever. I go off to summer camp, we're hanging out, fucking around, having fun. Uh, we're telling these ghost stories in our cabin. It's on the edge of the woods. It's like, my, my aunt has a haunted house that like the door moves and the gas can moves or whatever. And we're telling these innocent stories. Our camp counselor, who was like a college, Christian Bible college kids, he's like, you guys want to hear something like a real story, a scary story? And then me and a couple of friends are like, yeah, he's like, he's like, it's so scary that I can only tell a few people, like if we have to go outside. And so he takes us out to the edge of the woods, this dude who's probably like 18 or 19, this college kid. And we're, we're sitting there and he's like, there's like four or five of us and we're like little kids. And he gets down and he's like, have you guys ever heard of the Manson family? And he goes through <laughs> bit by bit, dude, of the entire Manson story. And we're Fuck yeah. Props to that kid. I thought you were going to take this somewhere else. No, it blew our minds. And so, dude, wait for it. My mom, <laughs> my parents pick me up and they're, I jump into the car and they're like, they're like, hey, how, how is camp? How was it? And I was like, mom, dad. Have you guys ever heard of Charles Manson? <laughs> and I was totally, totally amped up. And I was like, I was obsessed like with Matt, like that sent me and they're just like, oh my God, like what the, what is wrong with this kid? And so it, it lit me up in the wrong way. I think I was like, that was what I took. My, my takeaway from summer camp was the, the Manson murders. So we got to find That's that a good kid. summer. That's it. We need to find him next and ask him. I want to talk to him. <laughs> how, how are you so awesome? You, how many kids <laughs> did you tell about the Manson family? And also, why do you have so many bodies buried in your backyard now? Totally, totally age inappropriate. Yeah. Dude, so in so high school, you, you're, you're still going to youth group, even though you're like, this is horseshit. Your parents know you don't care about it. I'm almost a little surprised you never like, like, I, what's what's sticking out to me here is that people want to call out your rebellion, but you're not putting your foot down saying you're not going. Like to me, that's pretty like amicable. You're just like, yeah, this is what you want me to do. Like, I don't know if it was out of respect for your parents or just because it wasn't worth making the waves. What was going on there? I, did, I don't think it was an option. I, don't, I didn't think that going was not, not going was not an option. Yeah. Until until it's out of the house. It's so funny because I, uh, I mean, my kids are only, my kids are almost five and six, but then I also have had, I, I have a foster son who I've been taking care of since he was 16. And I learned very quickly that you can't make people do things. It's really hard. Uh, and with the dynamic that we have, it's like, you know, he's lived 16 years of his life in a situation where you know, he's doing his thing, whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. And then to, to whenever like the rubber would hit the road and we're like, this is what you have to do. It was like, he just wouldn't. And you're like, wait, I did everything I was supposed to as a kid. So this <laughs> is like really a new thing for me to experience. Cause I'm like you, but it's like, oh yeah, that's right. You actually can't make people do things. All they have to do is say, no, I'm not picking up a 16 year old and dragging him somewhere. Right. And mm -hmm. I, so I, my, my brother was, he, he kind of started fizzling out on the stuff. Older. Uh, he, he's a year and a half older than me, but we, we really like, we, we came up 
as close as you can. I mean, being homeschooled helped, but he took a year off in between like going to college. So like him and I, our first year of college was at the same community college. Like I, I, we were very close. Um, and he kind of started fizzling out on this stuff. And I was worried as shit. I was like, Oh my God, this is awful. Like I, I was worried about his soul uh, because I, yeah. I, I had the full buy-in and he, he would go and do like, but you know, his way of like saying, I'm not doing this would be like, he, he would go to church with the family and then he would go sit in the, he would leave the sanctuary and go hang out in like the fellowship hall and read a book. And sometimes it was even a kind of, a Christian book. Um, but it would just be like to do his own thing. Like, mm. and so I, 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 anyway, I'm being a little long winded, but I keep thinking about like agency and what you can and can't make people do. And all, all they have, all you have to do is say, I'm not going. And you just sit there and no one's going to like, it's, you're not going to be picked up, put in the car, buckled in, driven to church. So I, I, I guess I, that's what I find interesting is from with your level of resistance to this, but still feeling like you had to go. It is interesting to me, I guess. That's all. I, I guess I don't have a question there. That was just a statement. Anyway. <laughs> it sounds to me like you grew up in the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're born in 1974. You tell your dad something. You tell, it's like, no, dude. You'll, okay. You're, no, you're, you're making doing, a solid case now. <laughs> what, you're doing whatever they tell you to do because that's what the fuck's going down. Yeah. Whatever Genetic they, daddy will hey, spank you. Dude, yeah. You weren't quite old enough to fight your dad. This Next week. question. <laughs> what the, so satanic panic, like prime time, what were, do you remember any of the stories that they told you to like generate the fear? Because I know there's like a few that went around, but I'm curious, like what was the, the shock and awe? Like, listen to the testimony of this kid who listened to metal. It was more like the shock and awe was probably Stairway to Heaven. My Sweet Satan played backwards. That was like the backwards masking thing. That was the big trip back then. It was, it was My Sweet Satan. It was all like Robert Plant was evil. Uh, humble brag, I did a poster for Robert Plant's concert. And uh, it's like, it's, it's funny to kind of relate to my parents now in, in those terms. I was like, Dad, I'm working. I'm, do, I'm doing a thing for Robert Plant. He's like, is, is he a biggie? I was like, yeah, he's he's popular. Like, didn't know who, <laughs> not on his radar, which is that's just kind. Of, anyway, um, the big the shock and all was like the dude coming in and being like showing us a slideshow. He started out a slideshow with the Rolling Stones "Sticky Fingers" album, which, if you're not familiar, is a still shot of an Andy Warhol film with this giant package. This man's cubit, if you will, uh, <laughs> very clearly, clearly outlined. And we're, we're like little kids. He has a slide of an Andy Warhol film, the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers album. And he, and he flashes it up there. And, and, he, and I swear to God, he said, he said, this is the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers. And that in his pocket, that ain't a can of chaw. He said, like, like it's not chewing tobacco. It ain't a can of chaw, dude. It's like, what a fucking weird thing to tell a, a kid. It's like, that's his dick. It's like, <laughs> okay. So that was a weird one. Um, the Cindy Lauper masturbating. That was interesting to learn that Shebop is about masturbation. Wait, uh, what is a what? I, I'm out of the loop on Cindy Lauper outside of just knowing. Dude, 
Cindy Lauper? I mean, I know, I know who she is, but I'm not. She was a a pop star in the, when I was a kid and she was like this real funky wild woman. And she wrote a song called she bop. And it was this she bop. Okay. She bop, she bop, we bop, a rebop, I bop, they bop, a rebop. And it's, if you go through the lyrics, we had the Hanson version. You guys grew up on Hanson? Uh, Hanson was, when we I, were Hanson was adjacent. I? Yeah, okay. it would have been like when I was, <laughs> I feel like eight, nine, maybe nine. No, okay. Let's nine, come back. ten. We'll come back. We'll, we'll, I have a Hanson story for you. Okay, sweet. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, hear it. <laughs> um, but so it was just like, like so, um, Sid, Sidney, Sid, Sidney. I can't even say the name, it's so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it says, I hope that he understands and the he is capitalized and it's an arrow up. So this dude did a deep dive into the lyrics. And if you read it, it's about touching yourself. And it's just like, it's just like she was Catholic and she's like, I hope it's okay. It's some like guilt. Thing. It wasn't even anything. It wasn't racy or anything. So that was a big, a big thing. But um, shall we, do you want to hear about Hanson? <laughs> yeah, let's pivot straight into the Hanson story. I didn't know. I, I, Everyone, when when I was young, was just like the, the youngest Hanson. Legitimately, before I knew who Hanson was, I think maybe I'd see a clip of him on the Disney Channel and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that girl's kind of cute. And then you're like, oh, no. No! <laughs> <laughs> Growing up super Christian, you're like, I'm, I, I don't know what to make of this. I think my entire world's been flipped upside down. <laughs> Another Will Smith reference. Here we go. Round two. Man. We'll round out with a solid three before we close out. That's the that's the goal now. Well, that's that's the arrow, um, the target. Uh, so I'll, I ended up. This is like a fast forward quantum leap, but the band that I was in uh, ended up like I was in and out of art school and stuff. And we'll jump forward. I I got signed to Sony Records when I was like in it's like nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. So our band got signed. We're going to New York, and um, our attorney at the time. Uh, this really great dude he's like he's he just got back from south by southwest and he's like these these little kids came up to me and started singing and they're going to be huge and i'm like whatever and he's like they started singing for me i asked for their parents he's like they're these little, little brothers these handsome brothers are going to be huge we're like whatever dude we we watch that shit we go out to la we go to the Hanson headquarters i'm like i'm like wearing like hands like i have a Hanson shirt at one point ironically of course i'm not like really into them but, <laughs> um so our attorney was signed hansen basically and so and we were signed to sony 550 which was um ben folds five was a big band back in those days uh, we toured with him and had the same management and we would uh, like you know S- sony records it was like a sony the subsidiary of columbia and epic and so we were like rocks you know we were fucking going to new york and we skipped some things but um, what was your band called? It's called Old Pike, uh, O L D P I K E. Not overly, I mean, uh, not didn't sell millions of records, clearly, but had fun. That's awesome, man. But that was like this kind of the beginning, or I that, that was my trajectory. I was I was in art school. Um, how, how do you want to do? You want to let's let's go. Um, so you're you're obviously in high school, not buying the youth group thing, not buying the church thing. I, did you get start getting into art in high school? Were you an artist yes. outside Super, of music? 
super into art. My mom's an artist and got me, like I was helping her with murals. My mom and I are super close and, and I'm very close to my parents. I don't want to give any, you know, they're, they're amazing. So uh, we, I was working with her, uh, we would do murals. And then I was in high school. And since it's just you guys listening, um, right? We're just a secret, I'll t- don't tell anybody. I had taken some LSD at one point in my life and I went to school. Allegedly. Alleged, alleged LSD. And dude, I went in and it was the day that they were doing airbrushes. And this guy put a chrome airbrush in my hand and I pulled back the trigger and color shot out of my hand onto the paper for real. And that's what an airbrush is. (laughs) Dude, it it lit me up. I mean, I I airbrush all the time. This this is an airbrush piece, like all the art in this place. So anyway, I got super into airbrushing, um, really into academic figure drawing. I ended up going to art school. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. I got some scholarship down there. And I was down there, I was drinking. Like I started, I should say, I started partying super hard, like as a sophomore in high school. And so alcohol and, uh, you know, mainly drinking and stuff. But going down to Savannah, then my drinking was super intense. And it was like blackout, like a blackout drunk and like waking up bleeding and shit, you know, like fucked up shit. And, uh, so I dropped, I wasn't there very long. And then I came back to Indiana and then the band got, then I rejoined the band and then that band turned into the band that got signed to Sony. Okay. So did you, you, you didn't, did you go back to art school? That, that was the end of it, huh? Um, I, I re, uh, I, I got back into art school at IU in Bloomington and was doing painting and drawing and very academic stuff, real rigorous, you know, like draw 75 hands, like real traditional, tr- traditional drawing stuff and painting and then the band we started going to new york and and then labels were taking an interest in us we're hanging out in the lower east side in the 90s dude like that scene like brownies this nightclub this little club called brownies and lakeside lounge like these fucking like candlelit jukebox beautiful like vinyl jukeboxes candles uh got turned on to cocaine like street cocaine, like fucking in the nineties. You cover all the bases, man. Dirty shit, dude. <laughs> some gnarly shit. And that that was spun me out, you know. Um, but that led to some it leads to some poor decision making. And uh my my joke is that we used to call that stuff dummy dust. And uh I can't remember why. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I want to say this too. There are some people that out there that may be listening that it's just like something, if something goes up your nose and it's just like, doesn't stop going. I think that that's not necessarily you as a bad person. I think it's just some people just don't have an off switch with stuff like that. And it's not personal. And that's, that's kind of what I, it's just like, it's not, you know, you have your genetics, you have your decisions, you have your bad decisions, but I've, I've been, off of that uh for you know it's like 20 years yeah i'm not down with the hard hard drug vibe yeah no i hear that man it's it's true there's like uh it's a weird it's a tough path uh, for people uh if you it's weird because i feel like there's people who like there's people who do drugs and there's people who don't and obviously there's a little bit of overlap but like i i'm like a fearful person right i've smoked weed 
I've wanted to do shrooms for a while, but I haven't done them yet. Like, and that's kind of where it stops, but I didn't smoke weed until I was almost 30. And that's because I was like afraid of what might happen. And it's so, I didn't, I didn't really drink much until I was older either, because it's like, I, I, I guess I was afraid of what would happen if you, you drink too much. And then it, with things like that, like you drink a little too much or you smoke weed for the first time and you, the next day you're just like, that was, that was it. That that's all that happened. Um, but then there's like those people who just go a hundred miles an hour. Like, I'll try that. I'll try that. I'll try that. And it definitely seems like it has to be some genetics involved. Uh, it's personality type a little bit, but it's like the idea of like someone holding out their hand, open palm with a bunch of different colored pills in it. And you're just like, yeah, I'll take those. I'll let me try that one. It's like, and that's some people. And that would scare the fucking shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't know, maybe artists drift towards one and not the other. I'm not sure, but <laughs> seems like that was just kind of a fixture of those scenes back then. Cause I've listened to like so many comedians on podcasts talk about like their start in the eighties and nineties. And it was just, I mean, cocaine was just a part of it, you know, for most of them. And a lot of them, it was a minor part that didn't last very long, but then there's some like, I don't know, Sam, have you ever heard Joey Diaz like talk about his, Oh yeah. That dude's a fucking monster. Yeah, I mean, ended up Eat kidnapping a, a dude. Mega, mega stone stars cluster before I get on the fucking airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yes, you know I, Joey Diaz. <laughs> I trip balls, right? I don't give a fuck about nothing. I do a fucking <laughs> supermarket, baby. Like a doctor. Like a fucking boss. Yes. <laughs> it's like hard to take him seriously as you hear him talk and you're like, am I listening to an actual human? Like you have friends in actual real relationships. Nothing seems real about this. I love that guy. He's a freaking trip. <laughs> like yeah, like that's like my experience with that stuff was like it was limited and it was not sustainable and led me to, you know, you just I got I got to a point where it was like kind of ultimatums and you know i took it to the extreme spot yeah. and i was like okay this is no longer this is no longer serving me as they say so, yeah where where did uh where did you like really like part ways with christianity and did it resurface like you know as you had you know good experiences <laughs> or bad experiences later on did it resurface did your family try to kind of like guide you back in are you saying how am i continually uh, unpairing my unmooring myself from Christianity. I think it's all, I don't, it's, it's, I still think about it and still contemplate it. And, um, I feel like a, a few years ago, I was like, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to feel this instilled guilt that is put upon people through Christianity. And I made a conscious decision and I did, I did a specific thing for myself that, helped me to clear that out and to to be free of it and and i'm i'm in the jungian psychology carl jung and so creating wholeness you know um i mean geez not it was more like i that's a complicated that's a complicated question because i would say that i left i think in your origin story casey it was sort of like you have all this stuff put into your head and then you don't really, it's just sort of like you're going along and along. And I didn't really investigate it. I was fucking playing. I was wanting to tour. We would go hit the East Coast and we'd go down and we'd come out. I wanted to rock. You know, I was like, I was in, it was like in my 20s. I didn't care about the theology. 
And then I was on a hike um, with my girlfriend and wife now, and I hadn't, and it wasn't going to church or anything, but I was, we were hiking and I said, you know, uh, <laughs> of all the shit, of all the fucked up stuff I've done, this is like the most embarrassing. Um, you know, weeds come from Eve sinning. And I said that to my girlfriend and she just kind of was looking at me like, uh, and I was like, and as I said it, I was like, I don't think that's correct. And I was, I was an adult. And I was like, I heard myself say it. And I was like, what? It's like, I just hadn't thought about it. And so that was kind of like, I was like, it's fucking, that's not why weeds are here. Um, and that like the deconstruction process, I like, I was never a Christian, but I still had the, I think I got like the guilt aspect of it because evangelical, I don't know about you guys' you know, family situations, but if you're an evangelical man, Jesus, Jesus is first before anything else. And that's what comes first. Right behind Jesus. Sean Hannity. <laughs> well, that's a different era. Thank God. Oh, for yeah, true, true. true. Yeah. And, and now we, it's we, Tucker Carlson. We had Pat Robertson. We had um, other horrible people, um, other horrible homophobic lunatics to complain about, 700 Club and stuff. Dude, he's still hanging on too, man. That guy uh, won't quit. He quit. Just, did he? Yeah, he it's, quit like two, three months ago. He stepped down from the 700 Club and stuff, but oh. he's st- he won't quit living, if that's what you mean. Yeah, that's mostly what I mean. But he does. <laughs> doesn't he come back for guest appearances? I uh, probably. Yeah, he's yeah. a miserable old prick. He'll never stop. <laughs> he he won't stop until the gays have been blamed for everything. Dude, yes. Or or uh, or the voodoo in Haiti that's causing all the floods. That was yeah. One of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of like you guys are. It, it's like it's so maddening to like tap into that scene. You guys are in it and like are observing it and critiquing it. I think it's awesome. I dip into it every once in a while. It's like, but I, I like the whole contemporary Christian. Like I think what you guys grew up in, church wise, I think is probably pretty different. Like I saw I saw kind of your scene. It's it's just it was more open. It was a little like it was kind of mainstream. It was it's like you're going to a concert. You know? Yeah, there's you're right. They they were able to like they I feel like they pulled a little bit more f- from certain aspects of mainstream culture and grafted it in. Tried uh, up the showmanship. It wasn't just like suit and ties, boring ass bullshit every Sunday. Like they tried to like make it a little bit more exciting. They added a fog machine, got yeah. some electric guitars. Like this isn't your dad's religion. Yes. Yeah. And it did. It pulled a lot more. I think it pulled a lot more people in. It might've kept people more. It's weird. Like, so I, on my way home from work, even today, I, um, my, I, my aux cord went missing. I don't know. So I can't listen to my music in my car. And mm-hmm. what I, so I'm like, I, I, this i put on the christian radio station because i wanted to see what the fuck is up in christian music today every once in a while i do that for research purposes of course and i'm like i I was blown away by how bad it is um it's it's i don't know if it's worse than it's ever been or if i just have been that far removed from it but it's like Mm It what's weird about it is there is like there's still that trickery going on, right? Where you if drop it into verse one halfway through it, like you you might think you fell on some 
on something else because they're great. They have great voices. Like that's one of the things that really stood out to me. Maybe it's those have gotten better, but hearing, hearing some of the songs that would come on, I'm like, these people are like, they have incredible voices, very talented. Um, And then it kind of like, if you were skimming through the radio and you came across it, you'd be like, Oh, what's this? And you'd stop. And you're like, this sounds fine. Like, Oh, had a bad day kind of shit. And then all of a sudden it's like, and Jesus can fix that for you. Jesus fixes Mm -hmm. mental health issues and Jesus fixes it. And you're like, okay, what the fuck? Like it it feels like such a reach even more. So now I'm like just in just today, listening to maybe five or six songs, almost all of them were about like all the magic things that God can do to fix all your problems and make things perfect. And it's like, I feel like at least 10 years ago when I was really in it, it was like just praising God for the sake of like, I don't know, being good. And then you could leave that up to your own value judgments. And that's, that's a shift that I thought was weird, but musically it it feels like they're trying, they're always a few years behind society, but they're keeping up with the trends. And I don't know, man, it was, it's, it's so, it's such a weird world. And maybe I just look at it more negatively now that, my i'm looking at it from a a different vantage point but they're still i think they're still using the same tactics to suck people in the the showmanship and the i don't know well it's gonna be appealing music yeah is that your gripe it's not unappealing enough Uh, yeah (laughs) i tell you here like if you were just passively you could listen to it and not be overly bothered uh and also it could be like it could be about a woman or a man, or maybe it's about God. Like that was yeah. like the original band that I started playing in music. Like we'd try to write, this is like a, as a little kid in junior high. It's like, I just like, it could be God or it could be about a girl. I think that was like the trick. That's like, that's your, your most coverage. Yeah. Amy that's Grant, the sweet spot. The Amy Grant and Peter Cetera duet. Guys, that might have been before your time. I remember Amy Grant. I don't know Peter Cetera. He was a singer in the the band Chicago, and they did a a duet together. And that was when she went secular. And and let me tell you, she took her shoes off in public. Oh, ended up on WikiFeet? Yeah. It was a horrible, horrible, disrespectful (laughs) thing for the Lord. People lost their shit because she took her shoes off and was trying to... (laughs) Trying to go mainstream, and it was like, you know, it's tribalism. Uh, Christianity to me is tribalism, and it, that's inherent in the human condition. And I could, I could be an apologist for Christianity as well, which would, yeah, fun. yeah, right. So like, I, I think that's a huge point that sometimes gets left out of these conversations. Is like it's it it's a brand of tribalism, and sure. you see the same the same patterns play out in all of these other communities that people are invested in, you know? And uh, I don't know. That's how I look at it too. You you talked about like making a conscious decision to not feel shame and never really being like, never feeling like you were really invested in it per se, but like still having to untangle it. Yeah. I think that's a, that is such a weird thing to think about and hard to explain to people that weren't a part of it is like, just because you weren't, you know, training to go to the mission field, it doesn't mean that it doesn't like, maybe it doesn't, it's not a part of your belief structure, like these core Christian tenets, but it's still like, it's a part of your worldview, which is more subtle, but it's, it's still like, it's, 
it's there and it's it's something that you you don't always notice consciously but mm-hmm. just little ways that it pops up in your brain or the, or, or colors the way that you look at things yeah. it's tough to it's tough to make a conscious shift on some of those ideas even if in your in your brain you know that you really don't think that way it's yeah. still there yeah i mean that that to me um yoga and meditation for me is like understanding how you think so basically i practice secular buddhism so i just it's i mean we've talked about like religions or like excitement and smoke machines and stuff my religion is like the most boring thing possible because like you you're sitting you just sit still like you sit you sit still and then you count to 21 you just follow your breath up to 21 back down up and down and you're sitting still and you sit so still that you just start you're like oh this this is what my brain does this is what it does and you just become aware with how it interacts with itself and how it responds to different situations and it's like oh that's from this so you're just observing that this this is a secular form of buddhism where you're just observing your own thinking brain that's that's the essence of it and then consciously cultivating compassion for yourself and so there's not an external deity there's an innate goodness so the main difference can you tell my dad is a preacher so the main difference guys <laughs> the uh the fundamental difference to me between Christianity and Buddhism is that uh, Christianity says you're evil, a pile of rags without Jesus. You're inherently sinful. Buddhism says your basic nature is good. And when I heard that message, I was like, that makes more sense. And you have, you have poison in your mind. You have ignorance, greed, and aversion. These are poisons of the mind uh, that affect us. And there's the um, four noble truths and there's an eightfold path. There's this, you know, it's, there's a structure to it, but the, the like reincarnation and all that, it's like, who cares? Like that, the esoteric aspects don't appeal to me, but understanding it's like when I sit still long enough, you know, started this, this is how I freed myself from some of the, the past uh, addictions and whatever. Um, you start to see how your brain works. And it's like, Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm like, I'm doing this thing again. Or like, that's from my, that's not my, that's from my mom or like my, my that's from gary like what the <laughs> that's that's not my brain and so it's it's working with that in a compassionate context um that's basically my spiritual practice is burning it out through yoga and just shredding and becoming aware you're just present in this moment i mean that's all we have of course and that's what my I, my interpretation like i've re-investigated the teachings of christ and have like a totally different perspective on jesus and 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 feel in tune with what he's talking about on some levels on many levels and i don't think what he's talking about (laughs) what jesus was talking about and what they told me he was talking about are two different things that's my conclusion and there's a lot of stuff about jesus that's outside of evangelicalism that's like living buddha living christ you know tignan hans a buddhist monk that wrote these parallels to christ and buddhist teachings and i'm i'm skate i'm like going off on christianity right now my agenda or whatever is like looking at things and how they what we share in common of like we have this commonality this joseph campbell concept of of we all have these different pathways and if we see what we share in common then we're that's that's reality and like the divisiveness is not but it's it's fun it's fun to go it's fun to go down to junior high and (laughs) <laughs> lunatics you have to it, for your own sanity you gotta 
you have it's, to make fun of some of the bullshit. It's like, I mean, that's right. why we like what we're doing here is like, totally. is to, to rag on some of it without, it's not necessarily ill intention, but I, I hear what you're saying, man. I really like it because I, I, I think you're right. I think what you're talking about when it comes to the teachings of Jesus and how they don't necessarily line up with the, the modern iteration, the evangelicalism, uh, yeah. they don't. And like, and I think there are a lot of parallels. So whoever it is, like the, the what you're what you've read, that's trying to maybe compare them and find some similarities. I think is neat because so much of what I I think Jesus was talking about was getting out of your own way and tearing down walls and opening the floodgates for everyone to 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 find that that peace. Uh, yeah. And I think so. I love it, man. I'm I'm definitely here for that. I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm on board. It's beautiful stuff. It's just, it's been, I mean, if I were, if like, that's my apologist side. If somebody comes at me like and puts me in a corner, like, why do you not accept, you know, like, why are you not whatever, like aggressively when it has happened to me a lot where people like aggressively uh, wanted me to become a Christian. And then I would just say, I mean, if that were to happen, if like, I would just say, well, do you know, do you know what language Jesus spoke? It's like you're basing your life off of the around this dude. It's like he spoke Aramaic. It was written down in Greek. It was written down 80 years after it happened. I mean, I can I'll, if somebody wants yeah. to fucking argue this shit, I'll go all day. You know, I love I love it. I, like theology, you want to like have some debate or something. And if the debate is how how did the human eye come <laughs> to existence? It's like fuck you. You're too fucking irreducible no. complexity, man. Dude, I can't even, if we don't have a basis, like, I'm not having that argument. And those arguments. Like, How can you have a watch on a watchmaker? <laughs> yes. What old birds have two wings? It's like, dude, do that, dumb man. I can't. If I'm you put hard. a bunch of watch parts in a bag and shook it for a billion years, would you ever get a watch? Oh, oh yeah. that's a good one. That's the Josh I McDowell shit, one. right? Is it? Uh, <laughs> it's, I believe. It's kind of it's sad. It's like, it's such a reach. For yeah. it's such intellectual, I mean, you have to just stomp on your brain to to come to those conclusions in some of those situations. And it's like, man, that's that's like some form of oppression of just being like, do not learn anything, do not understand reality or whatever you how you interpret reality. I mean, I, I have you know, I, you were mentioning like some woo woo things, but I would say that I have beachfront property perhaps in woo island so you know <laughs> we can go woo town a bit of woo woo phil got a few beaded curtains in your house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes you can smell the incense over here yeah. well my- i feel like that comes with being in our i actually be i, I do want to talk about your pathway into a cur- being like be i'm in, i i'm blown away by your artwork man i think Thank it's you. absolutely incredible your mural work is what first captivated me that that octop i don't maybe you can give an address for it for people who are in chicago or in that area but like yeah. that that octopus piece that's kind of like looks like it's coming out the windows and shit yeah it's uh that's the first thing i saw uh cool thank uh, you it's just like oh my god i i loved that, it and you can see that at jasonbrammer.com yeah We'll we'll link to it too, man, for sure. Uh, but I um just your yeah your pathway in into art. I think it, it that's not an easy world to uh, 
to be successful in. Uh, to be a career artist is something that most artists are struggling to to be able to find. So I'm I I think that's incredible. I think you totally deserve it given everything I've seen. What also what I feel like I'm not an artist. I, I don't know how to explain art or talk about it in a way that sounds like I know that sounds intelligent, but even just looking at your work, I'm like that you, it all look, a lot of it looks very different. Like I I wouldn't look at that and say the same artist made that. And I think a lot of artists might fall into maybe those trappings of like, Oh, that looks like so-and-so or if Mm -hmm. you're, you know, everyone, they do stuff in a similar style all the time. And I, as I go through your artwork, if you held the two up together, I would never assume that the same artist made them. And I think that that's what I found particularly uh, engaging about your work was just like, holy shit, it's taking me all different places. I'm looking at it in different ways. And it seems well, like it's maybe in different styles, but I don't know. So I, how did you um, start pursuing? You got out of music and went back to art and you kind of pursued that that path. And how did yeah. you get to where you are? Our, our band broke up. Um, we made a record with Jim Scott, who did. He worked with Tom Petty and Wilco and stuff, and so we made like a a real record. And um, the band broke up. Um, shout out to Eric Hopper, our drummer. He's in Seattle now. Uh, does a, a bunch of cool stuff. And Carl Bramel, our guitar player, is now playing guitar for My Morning Jacket. And so we, oh, we kind of cool. all disbanded, did our own things. And um, I got into art. I moved to Chicago. And I had this studio apart, like a place in the Ukrainian village. And I was just working. Uh, I was doing a lot of residential murals. I would do, and I, I started getting an art studio. And I was like, what? It's like $300 a month in this basement unit. I lived upstairs. I thought I could, I can make 300 bucks a month on paintings. And so I just started doing restaurant shows. Um, my wife had a corporate gig and she quit her job and started managing me full time. Oh, wow. That's like the real reason. (laughs) That's amazing. The truth is that my wife like runs everything and I'm an idiot and (laughs) not totally sure what day it is. But um, what was I saying on this Sunday afternoon? Um, uh, No, I just started working real hard and getting gigs and and doing shows and then getting into the gallery scene and and building collectors. And we did... We did these street festival art shows and, and those collectors, you just build a relationship with them. They keep buying your work. And I, I work with this company called Dark Matter Coffee, which is this awesome brand in Chicago. And I do all their shops and we do, I'm doing a ton of, I'm just getting ready to do a ton of stuff for them. Um, got some gigs working with the Smashing Pumpkins, which was really awesome. Like growing up listening, grew up on Smashing Pumpkins, Gish, you know, and Simon's Dream, of course. And, I used to hide your album. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I think I was, I was, um, yes, I did tell Jimmy that. Uh, I was like, and, they, and they, those guys were cut out. I had a Smashing Pumpkins thing cut out on my drawing board as a kid and like me and the Smashing Pumpkins and stuff. So I was super into it. And so working with, with him was, you know, it's a dream. You know, it's like I painted three drum kits for him. And, oh, wow. Uh, that's awesome. I, you showed me the one. I didn't know you really. I didn't realize you've done three at this point. That's yeah, well, really cool. Our secret. They're not. They're not released yet. But um, the um, this is this is really funny. Um, in nineteen, I told Jimmy this. It was like I was like, dude, I saw you guys play on the tour. You had it was it was Pearl Jam, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins, 
And I was going to that show because those were my three favorite three favorite bands at the time. And my dad's like, you are not going to this show. And so I was like, okay. And you're talking back to like making people do something. <laughs> I went to the Clues Hall, called him up from the payphone. He's like, where are you? Like, I'm at the show. I'll see you when I get home. Like, All right. I'll see you when I get home. And I was like, but to this day, and now it's like, I don't have the heart to tell him that. It's like, you remember that? Like not letting me go. Like he's so proud of, he's like, but you're working for the Smashing Pumpkins. It's so awesome. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't awesome 30 years ago. <laughs> it's awesome now. So people change, man. People change uh, attitudes and spiritualities and rigidities soften sometimes. Um, yeah. How did, I, how did I become an artist? I started so, painting. Yeah. Paint, man. Just paint. And then paint your way out of stuff. I was in my old studio. I was like, I need to paint my way out of here. Just psychologically. Like paint, like get good enough to where I, I'm can not be painting in this place anymore. It sounds like half the battle is like, on one hand, you just have to be good enough. On the other hand, you have to be able to sell your stuff and manage it. And that sounds like where your wife came in is to be able to like take care of that aspect of things and have that partnership going where it's like, you can focus your attentions on the art and you don't have to worry about like trying to sell it to some Set writing an random person. Just all the computer stuff. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, to me, like my thing is that making the arts the easy part. Like I get I get gigs with companies and I do um, I did LinkedIn, did like their hallways and stuff. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> That's they, sick, uh, man. Uh, they it's just like the painting is easy. That's like the easiest part. The set, like the meet. I had a meeting this morning at this uh, Ravenswood restaurant this morning. Got up, was like, yeah. We, we're coordinating everything. I mean, it's like actually doing the work. It's fuck. That's the dream. It's cake. It's, yeah. it's it's a pain, dude. Like, I mean, it's it's really challenging and very difficult. If you're, I mean, it's a bohemian. It's a bohemian lifestyle. It's like you don't you value your freedom over your over anything else. I mean, you're not. The, Alan Watts says that a bohemian is somebody that values freedom over money, and they they don't feel like they're they don't have to conform to the social mores of the time. So whatever that means. You know, it's like, you don't have to, you can do your own thing. To me, that's how I. Yeah. One thing I notice a lot, like in all sorts of different communities is uh, there's like a degree of resentment that comes with success. Like, especially in, in something that's, uh, I guess like uh, it's, it might be glamorized in some ways by people who want to do it or wish they could do it or, or whatever. I mean, there's, there's two very different things there, right? That you're talking about, like there's the the art side, which has got to be there. There's also the business management side, which is a whole nother skill set. You need the two in order to survive as an independent artist. Have you have you like encountered that resentment from other artists or things Here's, over the years? Uh, I got somebody called me up one time. A, an artist called me, and they were just saying like like they were kind of like, what are you talking, what are you doing? Or they were giving me some slack on something. And they just, it's just like, all right, man. I don't know. Not, not really. I, I don't like the idea. For, I mean, for me, like my agenda or my, is like what you think of me is none of my business. And like really like feeling that thing and just being like, man, people can, it's like, fuck them. You know, if, if an artist, <laughs> if an artist is like bitching about, me doing something i don't know 
I think that says more about them than me. You know, I think that I think that successful people are supportive of, of people, and um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's if I have any. I don't think I'm super famous <laughs> enough to have like uh, no. Not people like, that critique your brush strokes dude i i think i'm below the radar on many levels that's so. when you'll know you've made it is when a some billionaire is like talking about your brush strokes like they know shit right i'll take it well when elon musk's but elon musk buys one of your uh your paintings and hangs it on his uh rocket deck into space you'll be famous right uh, i'm the there's uh you guys know the electric forest festival I no i have heard of it if your youth group made that that trip or not, it's a psychedelic. Uh, it's like this <laughs> massive fifty thousand person psychedelic festival in the woods in, in Michigan, and um, I'm work. I'm currently working on designing the entry gate portal to it, and it's nice. Um, it's going to be like probably thirty five feet by forty feet, and so I'm just I'm designing the entry point. It's Sylvan Esso's headlining on Friday, and a bunch of it's like a lot of EDM stuff. And, that's awesome. this is like a juggalo thing <laughs> you know you could it's like a uh there'll be a lot of furry boots i don't know it's like i would call it a rave but i'm old it's just a <laughs> bang furry boots the bangles of all different shades Lot, lots of colorful colorful people that that's awesome like man a blast. i i i'm just on, always boy. amazed my grandfather was a really talented artist and i just was always amazed by that. Just being able to see something that someone thought in their head and just was able to put to whatever form that they choose. I don't know, maybe paint, paper, sculpting. Uh, I just, I love it. And I, it, it blows my mind because I don't feel like I have, it's like, I don't think I have an artistic bone in my body. So like stick yeah, figures I, are a struggle. Uh, so whenever a- people are, are really killing it, I just, I love it. I, I, it. It just, like I said, it blows my mind. Well, this is a form of creativity. You're you're drawing out weird stories from me. That's like a <laughs> that's an aspect of creativity. Well, you know, all glory to him. That's yeah, what I exactly. want to say. <laughs> all glory. There's another lingo. I just all I know is that we now have to live in fear. Uh, you know, you make the wrong joke and Will Smith come come out of nowhere and smack you right in the face. So it's there. You got your third one in. I, uh, yeah, it was a stretch. It was a stretch, but I wasn't going to close this out without it. Uh, God would have been sad, and I don't like to disappoint my Lord and Savior. So indeed, well, Jason, it's been great, get great hearing from you, man. I'm glad yeah. we got to meet you and hear your story. Yeah, yeah. If you guys are in Chicago or want to come to Chicago, uh, hit me up. Yeah, definitely. I I want to go now just to see your work and hang out with you man i that's uh, i now have a reason to actually make it to chicago other than i hear it's cool i don't know i don't know much it's about a chicago place. Uh, i might run into chance the rapper so that'd be dope but come on up i'll show you uh my scene we got a little scene going on yeah that'd be awesome man so jasonbrammer.com is where people can find your work and reach out and stuff do you have social media Social media is Jason Brammer. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, that's about it. Cool. Again, you, you guys TikTok? No, but we do feel guilty that we're not. <laughs> I heard it's. I heard that's what people are doing. So. It seems to be where some people are blowing up. Uh, I just have a really hard time looking at a camera and saying shit like this. 
easy whatever it's because i i'm not expecting we're not putting the video out generally but i'm also not ex- tiktok's weird it's like you have 15 seconds to say something that's going to interest somebody and that's when i feel like i freeze conversations great looking at a camera with nobody in the room right it's like weird as fuck i hate okay. it reels man that's a uh, my wife does a lot of social media stuff and reels on instagram is actually like doing pretty well right now i think yeah hmm. well thank you guys for having me and this is like it would be really fun to i mean i i would like when you come to chicago we won't record it i just like talking about religion and and, and all that stuff it's yeah and most people in my life are not interested in hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> i've learned that man like being a fundamentalist it's like or whatever it's like dude just whatever chill yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it, that you all understand those things. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Thanks so much again for hanging out with us. It was it was great talking to you. Yes, you as well. All right, guys, take care. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.